Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth provides an opportunity for individuals to reflect on the world that's around them. I bring Laurie on about once a month on America Emboldened to share her insights so we can get into philosophical topics and talk about the esoteric world, but mainly so we can improve ourselves as well as our listeners' lives with ideas to ponder. And I will go on a limb and say that this is the best conversation I've had yet with Laurie Elizabeth on the show. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I had fun in creating this for my listening audience. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Great, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, you can go to americaoutloud.news, check out all of my colleagues' work and all the other great content and shows, as well as the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, which is available on all of your favorite Android and iTunes devices in the App Store, as well as online. Well, it's been a nice, relaxing weekend for everybody. I hope that you're enjoying your Monday because I am joined by one of my good friends, Laurie Elizabeth. Now, if you haven't heard Laurie Elizabeth on the show before, stop the recording right now. Go back and listen to some of those other episodes. Laurie Elizabeth has a, her own podcast called uh, Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth. And you need to listen to that one because she gets into the world of the unknown, talking about the things that are seen by some, but unseen by others. And we always get into deep conversations. We always have a good time here. And I have a number of people that write to me and say that they really uh, enjoy Laurie. Uh, some people have even told me, Laurie, that they have a crush on you oh, and the really? way that you, uh, yeah. And I had two females uh, write to me and like, I have a crush on Laurie. When is she coming back onto your show? Um, so, and I don't know I'm if it's flattered. I don't know if it's a romantic crush, Laurie, but it's definitely a, they love your content. They love your voice and love having you on. So welcome back to the show. Well, I'm very pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now don't, don't, don't tell the hubby that, you know, you have people with crushes now on the podcast network, <laughs> you know, I don't want him getting jealous and not allowing you back on my show. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't tell him. Sure. All right. <laughs> All right, Laurie, so let's get straight into kind of the energy in the world and things that are going on right now. Oh, and um, there's a lot. There is. And, and so I'm not sure if you've listened to my show recently. If you haven't, no worries. I, that's not a requirement. Um, but I stepped in it back about three weeks ago. I broke a story that went viral and was the number one trending story on Twitter. I had 9.1 million interactions with that story when it was all said and done. And I discovered really quickly, I'm not comfortable with that type of attention on me. Hmm. And the energy that came my way as a result of that was a very mixed bag. The congratulations that I received, they seemed hollow in a sense because I didn't want the congratulations. I didn't report what I reported for the congratulations. Um, and then the turn of energy where people then turned on me because there's always duality, right? There's always oh, these I two see. different sides. Mm -hmm. I also wasn't prepared for the amount of hatred of people that were like, oh, well, he's a liar or that he's making this stuff up. So I had, you know, 50% that were like, you did us a service. Thank you so much. I had another 50% were like, Who's Greg Bolden? Why should we trust this guy? So he's got a, he's another white guy with a podcast. You know, these are the type of things. And I realized that my energy, I became very nervous. I became very unsettled after that post. And uh, it really caused me to kind of question what I'm doing as far as the podcast world, if I'm being honest with my listeners, because as much as I want to be heard, I also want to be loved. And isn't that what we all want to be? 
So of I guess course. what I'm asking you is give, give some advice for people that all of a sudden have attention on them. Maybe it's not 9.1 million, but it's just a rather of perspective in life. How do we deal with the added attention that comes after success or after failure and keep it all kind of even keel? Like what, what are some of the things you've learned in your life? Wow. Um, let me just say right up front that more of what I'm going to be saying at this point is thanks to some really excellent upbringing. Um, I credit my mother and to some degree my brother for an absolutely centered approach of um, taking things in stride. So let me just go on from there. Um, I've always had a bent for when people come at you with opinions. I'm very tolerant of opinion, okay? And what people are doing, whether they're positive or negative, after you go out with your opinion or your stance or your take, then they're going to put theirs in. I call it peeing on the tree. Okay. It's, it's kind of like one dog layers over another and that's it's okay. Fine. Uh, everybody knows who's been at that tree in the past, you know, what, 36, 72 hours. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it's the same sort of idea. And human beings, for, I think rather unfortunately, are so desperate to be heard that they feel this overwhelming necessity to chime in to to be heard on whatever topics out there and some people more than others obviously um but when you go out and you state an opinion and you say you know x y or z whatever gets you 9 million um hits on it that just tells me that we as a society and actually i think frankly since the pandemic as a human race we are sorely lacking in the ability to have civil discourse at all anymore. And I was raised in an environment where if you have something to say, say it intelligently, put your thoughts together and come out with it. Um, you don't have to be angry about it. You can state your case. You can have your beliefs and we're not going to take them away from you but we're going to give you the floor and you can say what you need to do. People feel the need to be vehement. People feel the need to have violence in their presentation. And then you get those other people who are absolutely either in line with you and, Oh, I agree with you. And you are the next best thing since the coming of the Messiah um, to those people who say, you know, Hey, you know, whatever you believe, cool. Um, I'm good with that. And then they just go their merry way. What's the difference between these two people? Well, somewhere along the line, in my never-to-be-humbled opinion, somewhere along the line, the people that can say, hey, cool, you've got your view, I've got mine, uh, I've stated mine in one way, shape, or form, or I'm just going to let you have yours, those are people who have a very centered way of looking at things, and they don't require external validation. They don't require that... Um, no, everybody has to believe the way I do or I'm not comfortable sort of feeling. Um, and that sort of thing is grounded in your own belief about yourself. If you don't have a strong feeling of who you are, what you believe in, regardless of what the rest of the world is doing, then whatever wind of fortune happens to blow your door down that day is going to take you off your center. And if you're not grounded, if you don't have that center, whatever that thing is that you grasp onto and says, this is at my very core, and this is what I hold on to no matter what, then I believe you're sort of adrift. And those emotions can just overtake you and they bowl everybody else around you down so that, you know, it's it gets exceptionally uncomfortable and nobody wants to be around it. What, it, what they fail to realize is in, in their anger or in their forcefulness, let's just say, whether it's with or without the emotion, in their forcefulness, they are literally doing the opposite of what I think they are trying to do, which is to bring people to their side of an argument. And instead, they're alienating. They push people away. Do you find that that's something that you've experienced in this? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I go back to Christmas 
Easter gatherings where mm-hmm. large family um, presence where you haven't seen people in a while. And inevitably, because of what I do, people want to get into, some people don't want to, but people want to get into political conversations with me. And I think that there's two different ways that we argue about religion and politics in this world. We argue from the perspective of either we have love in our hearts that that person has done the work themselves in order to have an educated conversation and that we respect where they're at. We're not trying to change their mind, but offer perspective about where our shared journey has delivered us to that conversation. And then there's a perspective where we believe that the person in front of us is ignorant and uneducated, and we see it as our duty and role in order to educate people. I think that the reason why uh, people get into these fights is because we don't know how to disagree anymore. That's it. You know, we, we get stuck into this whole, oh, wow, you think differently than me. Therefore, I'm threatened that my side might lose. Not understanding that the only side that actually matters to win is the side that's for love and for the pro-benefit of humanity. Right. And no side really gets to say that they own that. So right now, what I see is like using politics as a, as a standpoint, because a lot of people listen to my show for my political takes, where I try to break down both sides of the argument and say, hey, let's call it out. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at the Republicans, the Republicans have been the party of conservative family values. They've been the party of uh, we are the morals for society. The Democrats have been the social justice uh, warriors. They've really been kind of like the people that were like, hey, you know what? We got to make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity in life, that they're born into um, us being able to protect everything for them and big government. Mm -hmm. Both sides are not bad. Both sides have their positives to it, but neither side is correct either. And the reason for neither side being correct, the way that I see it, is when you start talking about social justice, the world is not fair. And it's not up to the individual to make sure that the world is fair for the whole. Sure, that could be altruistically a great goal to have. That stated, morals and ethics change depending upon the individual. And since they're changing upon the individual and their shared experiences, it's seldom that we could agree upon what the fruits of the tree of liberty should look like for each individual. And so if we have this ideological divide and split in this country, then how are we to disagree better? How are we to just know that this is ourselves? And I'll throw one other thing in, and I'm going to ask for your kind of response to what I'm offering here. My other thing is when you look at Twitter, when you look at social media and even the news media companies now, um, they get paid to divide. Twitter just sent out $20,000 to $100,000 checks to their influencers last week. And the people that got those checks are the ones causing the most turmoil online. And they know that they're doing it. And so, sure, I could go on each day. You could go on each day and we could say some really salacious, wacky things and get a million people to to buy into that. I'm not really concerned about that. I'd rather have my small audience that's more involved with the moral. uh, We're looking for what is moral. We're looking for what is ethical. We're looking to have better agreements instead of disagreements. And uh, I guess I'm curious, how do we coexist in a world that is rewarding divide financially. And um, we're starting to question what's real with AI. Uh, News media is not necessarily looking out for us either. They're looking out for advertisers. Um, And so people's psyche is being destroyed because they don't believe that they may have a spot or they may believe that only 50% of society agrees with them and therefore they hate the other 50%. And I believe that the, the network that we have is reinforcing those beliefs 
reinforcing those ideals each and every day. And that seems so out of odds about what we're supposed to be as human beings. So how do we agree better? How do we look past the noise of all these other things? I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound very trite. It's going to sound very um, simplistic, but let's go back to the schools, shall we? Let's start way back in elementary school, teaching kids how to find agreement, not disagreement. Teaching how to find conflict resolution by coming to a common point of understanding. We don't have any of that right now. Okay, that's not being taught in the schools. Um, if it is, it's being taught one off by some very enlightened teachers, but um, it's not part of the curricula. Let me take a couple of steps back to where you started. Okay. Mm-hmm. You said something that caught my ear immediately. You said they have done the work. Those three words, done the work. Well, what does that mean? Okay. What does the work entail? And I want to tell your listeners that that work is something that we're here to do. That's part of being alive as a human being. Um, and, and that work, in quotes, is becoming more human and learning what it means to have that center, that groundedness, that, that understanding of I'm as valid and as purposeful and as precious a person as the next person is, regardless of what they may say, think, or do. And I find that people either don't know that there's work to be done internally, spiritually, if you want to call it that. Some people take that as the aspect. Other people just simply read philosophy, learn from those who've come before, um, Epictetus was one of the best philosophers on earth because you gave him all the tools to live by. They either don't know that there's work to be done or they simply don't know how to do it. And it's not difficult. It's sitting and actually spending time, not by yourself, but with yourself and thinking something through and finding, asking yourself the question, what do I really feel about this? And then recognizing that that which bubbles up from inside of you is what you feel about it. And that becomes a part of your core values or your core existence. And that's part of the work that we talk about here. This is how we get centered and grounded in what we believe because it's part of who we are. Okay. You also talked about fairness. Life's not fair. Well, life is neither fair nor not fair. It simply is. It's a schoolroom. I've said this before. And and it's here because it gives you all of the tools that you need to either make that castle or, you know, make a cabin or make make a hut, whatever it is, but it's yours. Okay. It's it's in fairness, not fair or fair. It is simply what it is. It's up to you to make something of it. So fair comes nowhere near this. You talked about the media, and I read something interesting just the other day, and and I have to say this because it is so true, and I see this in my full-time line of work. We don't call it the news anymore. We call it the media, and we call it the media because it's not about you know facts and understanding and giving people the tools they need to come up with their own viewpoints and understanding and possible solutions, or at least points of reckoning. No, we we give them entertainment. And that's what we think people want. So my point is we're being led by a ring in our nose to these things and being expected to just take that. And, and unfortunately, society being what it is, is doing this. We're just going to the trough and we're eating all the stuff up and it's junk. It's, it's just crap. And, and we're sitting there. Um, I have to uh, attribute um, Kim Kardashian was saving my life because I wore her skin tight <laughs> um, workout clothes and it acted as a tourniquet and prevented me from bleeding out. I what? <laughs> what the what? I'm so glad um, you saw that story too. Oh my Lord. I'm okay, sweetheart. I know that that's your way to get 
on her radar and it's been used in, in Kim Kardashian's social media ever since. And social media feeds this beast. Yep. It feeds this insipid entertainment nuttiness. So when people decide, you know what, I'm going to leave this off my, my radar and I'm going to go off grid for a while, or I'm just going to go on two weeks vacation and I'm not taking a phone or whatever. Okay. Those are the people I honor because they're the ones who are saying, I've been saturated with this and it's, it's getting really dirty. And I, I want to go wash myself clean in the waters of finding out who I really am. So there's a lot of that. What we need to do is not, we look for the fight and, and we haven't really changed much over the past, what, couple of millennia. We humans seem very prone to this. We have been an aggressive society. Mm-hmm. But I think that because of certain things astrologically that have happened recently, uh, that I think we're on to something different. I think we're on a pathway to find out the, the sweeter side of humanity. And I certainly hope that people are going to pay attention to this as we go forward in time, because we have the chance to stop being a warlike culture. I think by watching the war in Ukraine, we're seeing so much more of this aggression not being what we want in the world. And who knows how that's going to turn out? I certainly don't know. But I think we all see that that level of tyranny, and I just want to put the, you know, the Soviet empire back together again, thinking, isn't what this world is for anymore. And, and there's a, a, that, that sort of, that sort of disagreement needs to go away completely, but more than anything else in just civil discourse, we need to find agreement with people and stop looking for the disagreement, stop looking for the fight. And the news media was never built on finding the conflict, but as time went on to get news stories more and more published back in the days of when broadcast journalists were really high, um, they were looking to find the conflict because that was sold the story. Now what sells the story is sex and disruption and all that crap. So we've lost our mile markers along the way and we can find them. We can find them back again. You mentioned AI. That's a disruptor. And it's a disruptor because I think, and why people are putting the skids on it and the brakes on it is because inherently it's deception. You're asking a mechanical substance machine intelligence, quote unquote, to do the work for you and emulate what you would write. And everybody's going, yes, yes, it's a great productivity tool. It's wonderful. But if you don't come out and say, AI wrote this, that's deceiving. Okay. Regardless of whether or not you edit it, it's still not originating with you if you code it right, if right. you if you do it right. So in my opinion, that's starting off on the wrong foot to begin with. So, and if it becomes, God forbid, sentient, it's even worse. So it can emulate you and deep fakes are going to go a lot deeper. It's I mean, not going to be happy. Yeah, and they're they're already going deeper. I just watched a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, where they had both of their voices, mm-hmm. and AI was creating the responses to the people on YouTube's questions. The language was horrible, uh-huh. uh, but it was highly entertaining. It was very well done. It's like uh, watching Rock'em Sock'em Robots, isn't it? It really was exactly, uh-huh. and that's what AI thinks it's going to be because that's what the person that's writing the code is saying. Let's get back to working on ourselves. Yeah. Because that goes to AI. Yeah. I, th- I think it really does go to the AI conversation. Sure. So I don't know that there's enough people out there in society right now. Maybe I'm not, give, maybe I'm being too ignorant. Maybe I need to give more credit to individuals. But I believe that my observation in waiting rooms and restaurants, there's not enough people having a human experience. None of people are aware that their humanity is going away as they become more transhumanist with technology in their hands, being distracted Mm -hmm. while they're driving, being distracted Mm -hmm. while they're eating, being distracted while they're watching television, but not actually watching television and having conversations with children, but not actually having good conversations. And they don't feel that they're alive without that distraction. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about working on ourselves, we're really talking about a disconnect from the channels of what is not human. 
And AI to me, the reason why I'm tying these two things together is AI to me is the epitome of not being human. It's the epitome of cold, selected, calculated, which is not what a human experience is supposed to be. Cold selected, maybe that's what a, a war criminal wants to do, mm-hmm. right? They're manipulating for uh, a game, but that's not necessarily what the purpose of life is. It's not necessarily what friendship and love is all about. And there are individuals in society right now that are actively working towards a transhumanist agenda. People like Elon Musk and the Nora chip. He wants us to have the ability to augment AI with our thoughts in order to make us more powerful. Uh, You have people like Tim Cook and Apple that are the augmented reality glasses that are supposed to redefine what a computer is. But isn't it so nice? They made the glass nice and clear. So when your kid walks in, you could still talk to your kid while wearing these goggles and they could see your eyes through. Meanwhile, you have computer screens all around them. I'm sorry, but this makes me highly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm an old man by any means Mm -mm. in the way that I'm looking at things, but it makes me uncomfortable, not because I don't believe in advancement of society. I don't believe that we should be turning our backs to the advancement of humanity. And that comes first before technology. And I'm scared that we're losing our ability to work on ourselves because everybody thinks that there's an app for that. And there's no app for that. Silence, meditation, spirituality, religion, whatever you need to dial into that's for you, that's likely the proper app outside of technology. I often say the best thing that would happen to this earth would be a nice solar flare knocking out all communications, knocking out all cell phones, because Careful people will have for. to figure out. Uh, I, I, I trust me, it's coming. I know um, it is. Yep, so do I. Um, I've seen it. Uh, that's how I know. So I'm okay as far as where I'm mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. But I wish people would get themselves mentally prepared for what's the come. Oh, come on, we've been doing this. Hey, everybody, get ready for a long time. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, right. it, you know, and people have stopped listening. So, um, look, we're, we're all concerned with so many different things now and, and people are in just such a hurry to go where, do what, what is that important? So we're humans doing, we're not human beings. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're constantly doing. And just because we can do something doesn't mean we should and it's the most simple terms I can give you when it comes down to this transhumanist stuff, because if it was meant to be that way and to take over for us, then that path would have been set a long time ago. Greg, what I what I'm really trying to get at here, and I'll cut right to the chase, is you know, it's this is not about advancing humanity at all. It's as you said, it's about advancing technology because it keeps people employed and it it keeps them with their toys and things that they can do to manipulate other people and manipulate thoughts and powers. This was done by Atlantis years ago, millennia ago, (laughs) and it destroyed them. And people think, oh, Atlantis is just a myth. No, it really is not a myth. It just happened far longer ago than people know. And it was as an advanced society beyond what we know now. And they did not stop. They did not heed warnings. They did not quit. And they used the technology that was available to them to their own destruction. That's the bottom line. And that's why the lessons keep reappearing. Every legend has a basis in fact. There's a kernel of truth to all of it. Well, the, the thing with Atlantis is it keeps coming back because the lesson is still necessary to learn. And if we keep playing with these toys, if we keep playing with these technological wonders, you know, I, I really think we're going to do the same thing. And it wouldn't be the first time, folks. So it's, it's the precedent's been set. It's not like this has never happened before. We just don't remember it as a, as a species. And I, I don't know how you feel about it, but um, I believe that the legend of Atlantis is at least there 
in some people's minds as a warning and at least in something we can't prove as yet, but there are libraries of all this knowledge that have yet to be discovered. There's more and more archaeological stuff coming up. Wasn't there just a huge find of like 70,000 documents uh underground that were Uh preserved in scripts? I just saw that and I can't remember where that was. And one of the keys to finding some of this other um, documented stuff is that we have to reach a level of psychic preparedness and psychic ability to be able to do the discovery as well as the translation. This stuff is an ancient, archaic languages we would never know. So we'd have to have some, not be, it's beyond human intuition. This is way into psychic realms and, and being able to understand the knowledge that they're trying to pass on to us so that we don't end up destroying us again. And it's entirely possible. Now, there's other, there's other things happening, too. There's, there's other hope on the horizon that sometime I hope to get into with you. Um, because there's this whole idea of the 5D ascension that people talk about, um, where we're going from a 3D world to basically jumping from 4D right to 5D. And it's a much happier vibrational frequency. It's a, one of compassion, of kindness of a gentler nature. And I believe that's why there's so many UFOs and so many unidentifieds because they're all here to witness something that has never transpired in galactic history before. Let's hold that thought right there. Sure. Because that goes into a section of what I wanted to talk about, but we got to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. They help keep the lights on here on the America out loud network, everybody. Uh, So make sure that you, uh, go help support them, all the different companies that you see right on americaoutloud.news. Uh, and we'll be right back after these brief messages from them. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden and my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth, here on the America Out Loud Network. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us We can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here with Laurie Elizabeth. We are having a good time right before break. Laurie was talking about the 5D ascension, and that may be why we're seeing uh, more UFOs, possibly alien life. And that got to something I wanted to talk about. So on Friday's episode, you can go back, you can listen to. um, I had a great guest talking about his UFO knowledge and uh, really just one of the uh, premier voices in that world, John Warner. So if you don't get a chance to listen to uh, John Warner talk about the UFO files, uh, you want to do that with Chris Michaels and myself. Uh, it was a great interview and I uh, want to catch up. But that also gets to this whole other concept that I've heard on um, other podcasters like uh, Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles. They've been talking about aliens 
and UFOs from a perspective that I, they're arguing about. I believe it's, I might have this backwards, but I believe it's Matt Walsh that says that aliens are um, basically part of uh, the spiritual world. And we are seeing that through a spiritual world. And Michael Knowles is saying that it's part of the demonic world, that aliens are demonic. And I'm guessing you're not going to agree with either of them. So we could have Laurie Elizabeth joining the Daily Wire, perhaps, on one of their shows, talking mm-hmm. about your perspective on it. So where would you categorize all of this? I'm going to take a really different road. Um Based on my research and readings, I, I don't believe that there's a heaven or hell in either of this. Um, I, I am of the opinion we are all connected, okay? There is an interconnectedness within humanity, and we just don't seem to understand where or how that works. Well, if you believe that we have a soul, and I firmly do, um, there is so much more to us than just this one three-dimensional plane. Um, I would go on to say that this deals with the time-space continuum. This deals with the fact that there is no such thing as a past or uh, future, that everything is now. Even Einstein said this, there's no such thing as time. Time is a construct in this planet for our own ability to organize our lives and and organize life and what we do. Um, How are we all connected is the question. Well, what is the thread that that ties all humanity, all living things, all things, not to get too avatar on you, but we are literally all connected into nature, into every aspect of what you see on this earth, even to the earth itself. How does this happen? Well, I have, in studying the ancient Indian texts and uh, all the Vedic stuff and and just reading in general, you'll find out that there is the thought that there is an oversoul to each of us. So if you imagine that you have your greater soul within, well, there's a soul over top of you that's kind of like the great conductor of your symphony, as it were, the symphony of your life. And without getting too esoteric and too in-depth, that oversoul connects you with everybody else's oversoul so that that thread is continuous and it's, we are all related. And we're, because we know that the earth is a schoolroom, they allow the curriculum to continue, but there's a certain amount of Understanding that we're all here to learn lessons and we've all chosen to be here at this particular point in time for reasons, okay, that we may or may not know, uh, but we choose to come here and we choose to be in this life and we choose to learn the lessons we do. So the orchestrator of that is this oversoul. Having that as a, as a let's just take that as a, a given, a constant. Okay. The aliens that we're talking about, and I'm just going to use the word aliens because I believe that they're not just extraterrestrial. I believe that they are interdimensional as well. I believe that they are over souls as well. And there is an interconnectedness throughout not just the earth and the solar system, but throughout the galaxy and the universe. Because that source all that is that created us, created them as well. So there's the tie that binds, if you will, right. throughout. So there's some have been abducted and terrible things have happened to them. Well, okay. Um, I'm not saying that they are perfect, those beings. Uh, if I can go so far as to say, you know, if, if that has happened, then, you know, they're learning in their way and they're not paying attention to the damage that they do. But Overall, I think that there is a communication between us and them, and they 
they have to tread easily with us. I cannot imagine this would be like they the Earth, Earth stood still when the spaceship comes down and lands, and and you know the message comes to mankind through this one intergalactic traveler. Yet the world's not ready for that yet either. We can watch that on a movie screen until the cows come home, and we're still not ready to have it happen in real life. So that's not probably a good thing. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't mean they're not watching because going back to the 3D to 5D ascension, the idea is we are transforming. We have hit the limits in this life on earth that, you know, we've been a warlike culture since million years ago. Okay. It's time to see where this goes from here. And there is a very strong movement to move it up the evolutionary scale so that wars are no longer needed. And as a matter of fact, they're pretty much eschewed. We don't just go away. Um, and we can reach a higher level of compassion. And it doesn't have to be sainthood, okay? We're not talking about, you know, everybody becomes, you know, woo-woo or, or saints. Right. It's, it's simply a change in overall thinking. And spirituality says, you know, you're going to be this way anyway. I want to respond to something that you said mm-hmm. while it's still in my mind and I don't lose it. Mm-hmm. You were talking about multidimensional beings as far as aliens. Mm -hmm. And I've often given the thought process of if you were born without your senses, if you couldn't have the ability to see, if you didn't have the ability to hear, taste, Mm -hmm. touch, feelings. Ellen Keller plus five, right? Right. Yeah. Would you know that you exist? Yes. How? What is the observable? And this this is going to go into multidimensional, but when you close your eyes at night, who's with you? Whoever's around, I guess. No, 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 no. (laughs) Regardless of who's, regardless of your wife and that type of stuff. I'm with myself. Right. Well, who, who is the observer? Okay. But, but hold on. Before we jump into that, before we jump into that, if you were born without all of that, Mm -hmm. my question would be, do you have the basics for being able to become an aware thinker without the input of your five senses. Could you develop into complex thinking in any way, shape or form from the very get go? And this, this goes into the whole multidimensional, I promise. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want, I want to try to see if you can destroy my world in my argument that I've often made on this. <laughs> oh, it's a test, t- is it? <laughs> well, it's not a test. I'm just, it's, it's philosophy. It's me trying mm-hmm. to push my knowledge with what you're going the challenge back with. I, I, I completely respect that. And that's why I want to see where this goes, because I don't believe that we would be able to have thoughts. Um, I don't believe we'd be able to well, understand. What, what is your definition awareness. of, are you trying to get to what, would we be sentient if we didn't have these things or what, what are you trying to ask? Yeah, would we would we be unaware that we exist? When we come into this plane of existence, the one thing we all have, regardless of our senses, is consciousness. Consciousness, not, not necessarily self-awareness. My cat has consciousness. Okay. However, if she looks in a mirror, she has no self-awareness. She, unlike some animals, she does not see herself in that mirror. She cannot identify that that thing moving in there is hers. She, she doesn't even know that's her reflection. Does that make her less sentient? No. Does it make her less conscious? No. She's just simply not aware of that meaning of something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that mean she doesn't think? Oh, oh. Hell no, it does not. (laughs) (laughs) I watch her think every day. And trust me, she thinks. She can think through any. I literally watched her think her way out of a brown paper bag the other day. So, yes, I mean, I'm here to say that regardless of being born without the ability to, to touch, to smell, to taste, whatever. If you're born with consciousness. And you are then you think because the spirit that comes into you from the other plane of existence is conscious. Okay. So now we're at the spot of multidimensional. Mm-hmm. The reason why I set this up as kind of a conversation base is because I want to try to capture 
in this moment here. So if you're still with us on the podcast and you're listening, I think that this has been an awesome show. Number one, the toot our own horn. I, I really think this has been a deep conversation, but I think we're on the precipice of going into an insanely deep area. So if you're an atheist and you're listening to the show regularly, I often will have a, a friend of mine, Lefty Lehman, who's a self-proclaimed atheist, uh, doesn't believe anything's after this, um, kind of the lights go out and there's no more consciousness and it didn't matter that we lived outside of what we did um, and the way that maybe carries on the ripple effect. I want to challenge atheists today with what my belief is, and I believe what Laurie Elizabeth may agree with based upon her answer to that question that I just asked about consciousness. I believe that as human beings, we are ignorant because of our senses. We've limited the world down to what is observable. And by what is observable, we have decided that that's what space is. That's what earth is. That's what humanity is. And because we can see, we can taste, we can touch, we can feel we, and hear, we go, well, if it can't be one of those five things, then it doesn't exist, which shows an immense ignorance of human beings towards the world in which we are interacting and living in. Because if you can believe for a moment that there is more than three dimensions, that we are multidimensional beings and multidimensional beings can also interact with us. And you don't sit there and go, well, no, no, it's not observable. Science can't observe it. You're damn right. Science can't observe it because science is only using the five sense method in mathematics. It's not going to work out that way. There are wormhole theories. There's the multiverse theory. There are theoretical scientists who are trying to prove that there's this multidimensional being. So my question for you, Laurie, then is this, if we're talking about working on ourselves, if that's the kind of the theme of this conversation, if we're talking about aliens being these multidimensional beings that are coming here and maybe to share something with us, and we're talking about how we already can't have agreeable conversations, how do we reach the individuals to throw away their five senses and start working on their consciousness that they were born with. Now, do you see how I connected all that, Laurie? Why I asked you to answer that? See, I had a, a method to my madness. <laughs> so yes, how do we get people to tie to that consciousness that they're unaware that they're even having? Uh, well, because we need to I wake think that's, up. that's the biggest part. We need to wake up to the fact that we ourselves are also multidimensional beings. And it's not that that's going to be like a, you know, playing all of a sudden, you know, you go from not being to you are, we already are. Okay. And there are many on this planet that have already reached that conclusion. I'll give you Tibetan lamas. I will give you the, Hin, uh, the, um, the gurus in, in India. I, there are so many teachers that are out there and have been, they've been coming at us for millennia trying to teach us the way. You, you mentioned, you know, you were, asking atheists, you know, if you don't believe in God, well, let's take the religion out of God for a second. Okay. Correct. There's, you don't have to have religion. And I believe atheists balk against religion most of all, um, because of the, the dogma that is attached to it, to the, you have to believe this and my way is the only way. No, no, it's not. If you can understand that God is the creator, the creative source. Like, just get rid of creator, source. If you can understand that literally, if that source stopped having this illusion of the life we live, because it is an illusion, okay, for one nanosecond, stopped thinking of us or stopped holding us, this would all cease to be all of it. And then that source, that all that is, would go off and do it again, just like it did originally. And how? who knows how many times it's done it, because we're just one part of this universe, this galaxy. These are mind-boggling concepts. We can barely wrap our head around the size of the Grand Canyon, let alone the galaxy and the universe. But at the same time, 
I'm trying to say that get the religion out of God and you'll understand that we just put a, a word on this to try to grasp something that is so much bigger than what mm-hmm. it, what religion has told us it is. So that's number one. And I would simply ask the question of those atheists, if, if you believe that there's nothing, then why bother? Why are you here? Yeah. What's the purpose? What about maybe choosing to come in here so that you can prove it to yourself? Okay, well, that's, I'll, I'll deal with that lesson. But if God can recycle a plastic water bottle, <laughs> because we've learned how to recycle plastics to some degree, then why do we come here and learn what we do to go through the pain and agony and joy and, and laughter that we do and learn the lessons that we do if it means absolutely nothing and we turn to ashes? Come I mean, in seriously. That doesn't make any sense in anybody's universe, number one. To your point, though, Greg, we've limited ourselves to our senses. I agree with you. It's when we go within that all those senses disappear. And all you have is consciousness, your consciousness, your sentience. And how do you do that? Well, a lot of the masters say meditation. Some do through meditative prayer. Some do simply sitting and breathing can attach you to that same knowing. It's a knowing. And it doesn't need your senses. It doesn't need you. You can see without eyes. You can experience without senses inside of yourself, within yourself, because we are all born with the ability to touch the hem of consciousness by going within. Read Deepak Chopra. He mentions this a lot in his writings. How do you enter meditation? Mm -hmm. I have a little ritual that I do. And it actually, it settles me into it. Um, If praying means you talk to God or all that is, then meditation means you listen. And for me, I'd rather, because <laughs> I have opinions in case you hadn't noticed. Um, <laughs> so I like to talk to him first. <laughs> I, like, I like to talk it out there. Okay. Put, let, let me put what I'm, just in case you want to know what I'm thinking and you hadn't heard it before. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll go through some things and um, I'll relax into it and begin breathing. And a lot of times I will, do a meditation, quick meditation, where I clear my chakras so that I don't have any junk coming through. And then I just kind of say to myself, okay, I want out in about 20 to 30 minutes. And it's funny, I don't need to put a timer on. I just know. And I start breathing. And I feel the breath in my nose. Bring it in. Hold it for just a second or two and let it go. And just experience that process of the miracle of breath. It's a miracle that we can breathe. And that starts me off. You know, it's also very interesting to note about our breath and grounding ourselves into it that from a biblical standpoint, it was breathing the breath of life mm-hmm. into the into the human that made them a being. Yes. Um, and it's so the breath of, or inspiration, the inspiration of breath. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, we have a little bit of time left with one another here, but I was curious, should we try a meditation for listeners while we're doing the show today? Should we change it up just a little bit? I, I, I have a meditation that I wrote up and we could try to take oh, people through and then we could talk about it afterwards. Sure. Maybe take it. people through like a little five minute meditation. So if you're in the car right now, um, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. It, maybe don't get so relaxed, uh, but maybe just listen to the words, mm-hmm. uh, but pay attention to your surroundings. If you're at your desk, at your computer, um, then you can adapt this for yourself. If you're laying down at this point or sitting somewhere where you can lay down and kind of follow along, but I'm going to take you through, uh, I did lots of guided meditations when I was a youth minister, um, just to kind of get people thinking. So I, I have a Meditation for my listeners to experience positivity and success today. And I think that when I enter uh, meditation, this is something that, Laurie, we can talk about on the flip side of this uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
is it important to think about what you want from your meditation? I believe that it is. Mm -hmm. It's setting the mindset of this is what I hope they get. And there's also a, a train of thought that states go in just listening and receive what's given mm -hmm. to you. And so there's not a wrong way in doing this, but I'm just being um, upfront with my listeners on what I'm doing. All right. So, so we'll begin today by quieting ourselves. If we're in that comfortable space, whether it's driving, whether we're sitting, whether we're laying down, we're going to find a relaxed position. And if you want to, at this point in time, you could close your eyes. If you're more comfortable looking around into nature and seeing the world around you, that's fine as well. But we're going to take a deep breath. And we're going to exhale. And as we're breathing in each time, I want you to feel the air filling up your lungs. And as we exhale, start releasing tension or stress that you feel in your body. So a good way to do this is uh, if you have your feet on the ground, you can kind of wiggle your toes and work your toes all the way up to your knees and your legs. As I hear a thunder in the background, nature is going to join in on this meditation. That's a beautiful thing. So we start relieving that tension, wiggle the toes if that's where you have. If it's in your wrist, you can move your wrist, your elbows, your shoulders, head, whatever area you're holding that tension, continue to breathe and just be fully present in this moment. Once you reach that spot where you feel like the distractions are left behind, Paint a blank canvas with your eyes and put some distant clouds into your sky. The clouds are the floating type. They're leaving a clear open space in front of you where you can see nothing but blue skies and clouds off to the sides and feel yourself become more grounded, more centered, more fully aware in this present moment. Embrace your stillness. Let go of any thoughts and worries that you may have today, things that may be arising. Focus solely on yourself and your inner journey. As we continue to breathe in deeply, imagine a path that stretches out before you. On this pathway, it's abundant with your favorite things, whether that's flowers, trees, animals, things that just bring you joy, things that bring you peace and fulfillment. It lines your pathway. As you look at these things, you're filled with a sense of pride and accomplishment. As you realize that all of these things that bring you joy, this is a future that you've worked hard for. Take a look at that garden, at that pathway, and notice the details of your success and the things that have brought you joy. Now see yourself actively achieving those goals that brought you joy in those moments. See yourself thriving in your career, in your accomplishments, your personal relationships. See yourself nurturing those relationships as well. And as you nurture them, Allow yourself to smile and feel joy. Feel satisfaction in the positive impact that your presence has brought upon the lives of others. Joy and positivity and peace and love that is brought to the world around you. As we walk through this garden, walk through this pathway, there's a mirror in front of you. Look into the mirror. It's you in the future. 
you're confident, you're successful. You stand tall, looking at yourself, radiant with positivity. Take a moment to connect with this future version of yourself as you continue to breathe. Ask yourself for guidance and wisdom. Ask yourself, how have you become knowing and capable of so much that you've desired in order to achieve? And now we'll imagine light surrounding us. It's pure light. It's protecting us. It's filling us with warm and uplifting energy. It's light that's representing our unlimited potential in life within us and within all of beings multidimensional. It's guiding all of us towards our brightest future. Feel the warmth of that light expanding with every breath we take. empowering us to overcome any obstacles that may come in our way. And while we sit in this light, set some intentions for yourself for the coming day. Visualize that day unfolding and surpassing your wildest dreams. You are reaching new heights. You're embracing new opportunities. You're celebrating your achievements with gratitude and with humility and a humble heart. And now slowly, we're going to bring our awareness back to the present moment. Feel the ground beneath your toes, on your back, the air around you. The general rise and fall of our chest as we carry our breath, we carry the sense of positivity, the sense of success. As we step back into our daily life here on the show, here with Laurie Elizabeth and myself, and remembering that we all have the power to shape, shape our future with positivity, with determination with humility and gratitude. The gratitude is the best attitude that we can carry in life and understand that you are worthy of accepting your success. You are worthy of your success and your desires and take the newfound energy and confidence today of these words that you've listened to and bring that on your journey through the rest of your day or week when you're listening to this. Laurie, how are you feeling? Pretty peaceful. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, uh, I focused my own guided meditation on kindness today. And mm -hmm. I'm, I think I'm going to have an awesome, kind day. The it's rest always of good. Day. Yeah, it is. Oh, that was nice to do here. I hope that listeners enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing that alongside with you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, takeaways on meditation, multidimensional, and what we just did as we wrap up today. Well, I would invite anyone who did the meditation, who actually took the time and stopped what they were doing and did the meditation to ask themselves. Did you use your eyes? Did you use your fingertips? Did you touch something? You know, probably not. This was all a part of your imaginative and intuitive intelligence to go within and touch what you saw was real. If you were able to visualize anything as Greg was speaking, that's what I mean about going within. You don't 
need any of that. That's your consciousness. That is what makes you, you. That is that spark of all that is that's you uniquely. And if you never touched it before, I hope you touched it today. Because that's really who you are. That's That's who's there when you close your eyes at night. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you felt at peace that's where you should be instead of the anxiety, instead of the dread. Peace and joy are our natural states. It is not this rushing around like a chicken with your head cut off. That is not a natural state. For some, it has become their natural state, but hopefully ah, we've grounded the them there today. there was become, you know yeah. that. <laughs> I know. I know. Hopefully we've grounded them today. That'd be nice. Laurie, it's been a pleasure as always to, this has been a deep conversation. They always are with you. Um, and I, I can definitely tell why you are some people's favorite person to come on to the show to listen to. Um, well, I appreciate that because it's always an enriching conversation with you. It's always, it's always a great, great, uh, time spent. And I hope that we honored everybody's time. Well, today, if you'd like to reach out about today's show, um, at real Greg Bolden, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can email me on the americaembolden.com website. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a cup of coffee right there on, uh, if you like the content that I'm bringing each day, feel free to support the show. I'll write back and tell you how those funds are being used. Nice, transparent way. But most importantly, make sure you go to uh, Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth on all of your favorite podcast networks, where you can hear more of Laurie, uh, where she talks to uh, people that talk to dogs and animals. She talks to people that are in tune talk to other with... people that aren't necessarily here. <laughs> exactly. Talk to people that aren't necessarily here, yeah. which by the way, Laurie, can we set up, uh, I'm going to tell my listeners this too. I want to set up a show with somebody who will talk to my dog and record it with you, that individual, my dog and myself. Is that something we could set up? Sure. Because I want people to hear this that are part of my audience as well. I know you've done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that would be a, a, a neat episode to set up in the future. So, um, oh, I'd we'll, love to do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what that sounds like and looks like. But I, I can set that up for everybody. Um, you know, we'll 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 work together to to see that happening. And they, in the old way, they used to say it, Greg. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Exactly. I think you're going to want to hear that one. Hear uh-huh. how my dog wants to curse me out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. It's been a wonderful Monday. I'm glad we can kick off this week here with Laurie Elizabeth. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. And uh, as always, I appreciate your time, your talent, your treasure in listening to this. Laurie, thank you so much for joining me once again. My pleasure. Thanks, Greg. All right. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden and Laurie Elizabeth here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.